So I love this time. Um, I love this time of year in between Christmas and New Year, and I'm so excited I get to speak because it's an exciting time. We just had all of our Christmas fun and our celebrations of celebrating the fact that Jesus was born as one of us, and um, that's an amazing encounter, isn't it? It's lovely. And then we have this in-between time before New Year's Day where we get to ponder the year that is behind us, 2019, and the year that's ahead of us, 2020. And we get to think about the things that we want to leave behind in the old year, right? The things that maybe didn't go so well or the things in ourselves that are not yet like Jesus that we want to continue to work on or continue to surrender before the Lord. And then we think about the things that we want to add or we want to move into in 2020. So for me, that's a really exciting time where we can hit the reset button and have another chance, right? It's at a brand new start. I like the idea of um, just clearing the screen and having a brand new start and kind of rethinking and having some fresh vision. This is a particularly exciting year, um, the year 2020. I mean, what does that number speak to you? Vision. 2020 vision, which I definitely don't have. Thank goodness for contact lenses. Um, but I love, I think that 2020 is a year where we can really step into the full vision that God has for us. There's something very significant about this year spiritually. I don't know that we'll understand it till we get to the, till next year at this time. But I believe that this is a very um, pivotal year and we need to pay attention to what's happening in the spirit realm, and we need to be listening because the Lord wants to speak and impart his vision into us if we're listening, right? And this is a super important part. Um, I want all of God's vision for my life. You know, I've had enough of Jean's vision, which um, takes me in all the wrong directions and causes delays and detours, and I follow distractions, and um, I get lazy and all of that. I want God's 100% vision fulfilled for my life in 2020. Amen? Amen? But in order to do that, we need to leave something very important behind. There's something very important that cannot be residing in our hearts, and that's fear. And the Lord really convicted me about this last year. Last year around this time, my husband and I were praying into 2019, and he said that he had a word of intention for himself. You guys familiar with that phrase, a word of intention? Kind of a new thing in our culture where we, we take one word and we kind of focus on it and we sort of keep our eyes fixed on that so that we head in the direction we want to go. Christians and non-Christians alike sometimes do this, right? So my husband says to me last year, he says, so my word of intention is freedom. And I said, that's great, honey. I'm glad that you're focusing on freedom because I definitely don't need any. You know, I've just, you know, I thought there's no need for freedom in my life, you know, and, and I thought, poor guy, he still isn't free. <sighs> you know, um, and, and I just did not own that word for myself. I thought, good for him. I'll pick a different word, <laughs> you know. I forget what my word was. That's how important it was. So but I, his word stuck out to me. It's like, freedom, what does that mean? You know, I don't need freedom from anything. Well, as the year went on, the Lord began to expose things in my heart that I didn't know were there. And the big one that kept running, you know, coming up to the surface, like a little alarm bell that would go off, was fear. And I thought, I don't have fear in my life. 
you know, I'm bold and, and I go into dangerous places and, and stuff happens all the time and I'm not afraid. And the Holy Spirit's like, hmm, no fear. And, you know, he began to show me that fear had a part of my life even in small things, like my cooking. Is that weird? I, mean, I was, you know, I, I never thought I was a good cook. Um, from the time I was growing up into adulthood and marriage, I was embarrassed about my cooking and I was afraid to have people taste it because I thought if they didn't like it, oh, I didn't cook the right thing or I didn't do it right or they're not going to like it and then they won't like me and, uh, and it's all about me. And so there was fear in my meal preparation and the Lord exposed it in me and my husband um, exposed it in me too. And um, he used to say, you know, I'd say, oh, I don't know, you're not going to like this, it's, it's not very good, and I, and I probably didn't do it right, and, and people are going to probably hate it. And he'd say, my husband's from Alabama, so he'd say, sweetheart, that was the best food I've ever put in my mouth. <laughs> Hello? You are a gourmet chef, you know? And I'm like, no, I'm Pennsylvania Dutch. Uh, but um, he likes my Pennsylvania Dutch cooking. And so the Lord just exposed, the Lord said, you know that sin? Because God wants to inhabit everything I do with his love, including my cooking and my housekeeping and everything I do. So I started saying, all right, I'm going to cook in love. I'm going to now prepare a meal for a bunch of people, and they are going to love it. And I'm going to stir it up and mix it together, and it's going to be exactly what their taste buds are craving, and God's going to show me how to shop and on and on and on. And you know what? It began to minister to people and bless people. And now my house is full of people that come over for meals, and I have the confidence to do it because I let go of fear. So it's just a small, small thing. And God began to show me there was fear in so many things. There was fear in my relationships with people. You know what fear is rooted in? Selfishness. Fear is rooted in pride because ultimately we're afraid that people are going to hurt us or people are not going to like us or that we won't be successful, or f we won't succeed. Whatever it is, it's about us. Do you see that? And God began to show me that I was afraid because my eyes were on myself instead of on him. And so when I began to work on this Christmas CD, I'm like, God, I can't make another Christmas CD. Do you know how old I am? I have eight grandchildren. You know, people are going to laugh at me if I go back to Nashville, say so I'm going to record, you know, especially as a female. You age out. You can't do it anymore. And God says, go to Nashville and record, and I'm going to set up the best musicians in the town for you, and you're going to have world-class soloists join you, and I'm going to pay for it. And I'm going to be honored and glorified through it if you will just get out of the way because it's not about me anyway. Who cares if people like it? I'm not doing it for that purpose. You're not doing it to entertain. I'm not doing it to be popular I'm so glad I don't have to impress you this morning. And God, you know, I had to get a hold of my heart and say, why are you doing this? Because if you're doing it for yourself, then just get behind me. This has never been about you. And guess what? You'll never succeed at what you're doing until you get out of the way. Amen. And you renounce fear. And I thought, oh, my. And so I, I went to Nashville with no money in my pockets. And we didn't even have time to do this. There was no time. I was hitting the ground running in August. You got to market your project way before that. You know, the doors are closing. And here I am showing up in August, 
saying, let's do this. And do you want to know what happened? I got there. The producer had already rented a beautiful studio called The Castle, where you can assemble a whole team and record something instantaneously. And this is what we did. And um, Russ Taff, does anybody know who Russ Taff is? So Russ Taff agreed to sing with me. Um, David Meese, does anybody remember David Meese? David Meese, one of my favorite all-time Christian artists, came on board. He hadn't recorded for seven or eight years. And God spoke to his heart and said, sing and do it. He steps up to the plate. Phil Kagi steps up to the plate, plays with me. So we made this amazing, amazing recording in seven days. Seven days. Still wasn't paid for. I'm like, well, the, the check's in the mail for all of you as soon as I receive it. So I got home, and the check was in the mail to me, and, and the Lord did pay for his work. And, and um, so we put it out there super late and um, got it out there. And um, people also told me that in 2019, you, you, you shouldn't make CDs anymore because people don't have CD players and no one's listening to CDs, right? So I was told not to manufacture CDs, but I did anyway. I manufactured 1,000, and I sold 1,000 CDs in two and a half months. 1,000 CDs. We're on to the second thousand. And people said, that's impossible. I'm like, well, you got to just talk to him about it. I don't know anything about impossible. So we did that. I just got word a couple weeks ago that Carol of the Bells that I played for you was chosen as one of the top 20 new Christmas songs by CBN, Christian Broadcasting Network. Yeah. It's being played all over the world. We got it into um, radio markets around the United States, all of this way too late. But you know what? God is the champion of the impossible. And if we will just um, catch a hold of his vision and follow what, what he wants us to do, um, then all things are possible with him. And this is the big thing that I want to lay hold of this year is 2020 is my year to, year, to live fearlessly. So fearless is my new word. Does anybody want that word with me? I'll share it. We can have it. And this is the reason that we need to live fearlessly in 2020, because there's no fear in anything that God does, ever. There's no fear in love, right? Perfect love casts out fear. So anytime we allow fear to enter our thinking, our hearts, our bodies, our work, our ministry, guess what? We're blocking the work of God. And it's becoming about us rather than him. And so if we want his vision 100%, um, if we want to do things the way God does them, if we want to have his power flowing through us, we've got to learn to identify fear and renounce it and ask the Lord to set us free from it. So we're going to talk about um, several encounters with God this morning because guess how fear leaves? This is the cool part. You don't have to work at it. You don't have to go to a 12-step pro program. You just have to have an encounter with Jesus Christ because in his presence there's no fear, Right? And so all we have to do is just stay close to him and fear will go away. So the first encounter I want to share is from Luke 2. This is our Christmas story. And this is when the shepherds got to encounter Jesus Christ. And I love this story. I'm going to read from Luke 2, starting in verse 8. It says, Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were greatly afraid. And then the angel said, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy 
which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. So these shepherds, they have an encounter with the angel at first, and they don't understand it. It's out of their control. So what's our natural human response to things that we don't understand? Fear. Or that are out of our control. So this is way out of their control. It's a complete surprise. And yet they recognize that it's God speaking through the angel. And they go and they find the Savior. And they kneel before him. They have an encounter with God in that present moment. And their fear leaves. But that's not the end of the story. So love appears on the earth in the form of Jesus Christ, right? And in his presence, there was peace, and there was joy. It was good tidings of great joy for all people. But the story doesn't stop there. Jesus then takes his love, and he shows us what it looks like as he grows up. He becomes a man. He heals the sick. He carries that love. He opens blind eyes. He forgives sins. He sets the captives free. He raises the dead. This is what love looks like. And there was never any fear in Jesus, ever. It couldn't exist in his being because he was pure love. So he shows us the model of what life in Christ looks like. He demonstrates it, right? And then he's not finished. It's not enough to have that one-time encounter with Jesus that the shepherds had. It's not enough to watch Jesus work or to read about him. He wants so much more for us today. And so we fast forward 33 years down the line to John chapter 20. Now this is at the end of Jesus' earthly life and he's already died, he was crucified, he, was, he died and he was resurrected and his disciples are afraid. They're in a situation that's out of their control. They don't understand it. They don't understand the love of God fully yet, right? So where do the disciples find themselves? In John chapter 20, it says, then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled, listen, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, peace be with you. I love that. The presence of God. It always just brings peace. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. It's an encounter. So Jesus said to them again, peace to you as the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they're forgiven them. And if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. And if I was one of those disciples, I'd be like, whoa, wait a minute. You mean if I forgive someone, they're forgiven? If I don't forgive, they're not forgiven? No, 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 that, that's for you to do, Jesus. Jesus, you did those things. I don't do those things. I'm just a fisherman. I'm a violin player. I'm, I, I don't do those things. What is Jesus saying? There's this demonstration of a transfer, of an impartation, of a new thing happening. It's no longer just a one-time encounter with Jesus at the manger. It's a fresh encounter where Jesus comes inside the walls of that locked room. He can come inside the locked walls of our hearts and now dwell through the power, the presence of the Holy Spirit. So now it's a living, daily, 24-7 encounter with God that we get to carry with us 
all the time. He breathes on us. That's a symbol of us, him breathing on all humanity, right? We're now full of the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, the same spirit that healed people and forgave people. That's why he said, if you forgive, what does he mean by that statement? Does that mean that we're suddenly all powerful? No, it means that we carry all the power. We carry his presence when Jesus now prays through us. When we pray the word of God, Jesus can now pray through your mouth. So your prayers are meaningful when they're in alignment with God's will. You speak that prayer out. It is the spirit of God speaking that prayer into the earth and miracles can happen. How do I know that? Because I've seen it in my own life. And the same, we're all the same. We're all the same. I just had an encounter with Jesus. Like, we have all had encounters with Christ. And I've allowed him to dwell inside my heart and have his way sometimes. <laughs> Hopefully more and more. And when he's had his way in me, strange things have happened Some of you know the story of my oldest son who was dying of a drug addiction. He was a crystal meth and a cocaine addict who had overdosed a couple of times. And in the earthly sense, there was no hope for him. And yet the Lord told me to pray and fast for my son. And God prayed through my body. It wasn't my faith. It was his. And in the year 2005, on February 12th, He was miraculously delivered overnight of a drug addiction. Never touched it again. Spontaneous. Spontaneous. So that kind of power and presence is in us. The problem is we don't recognize it. We don't understand it, right? And we don't let him have his way in us. And so I've come to just encourage you and spur you on to understand that Through Christ, we have a living encounter with him. That's not just at Christmas. I love Christmas. I could celebrate Christmas all year long, and we can. You can keep your Christmas tree up all year long if you want, you know. You don't have to take it down. I'm not taking the Christmas tree in my heart down. That Christmas tree in my heart is going to stay lit for all of 2020, and everywhere I go, People can have a living encounter with God through my body if I let them, if I stay out of his way, and if I stay out of fear. Do you see how Jesus brought peace to his disciples? And he gave them a calling and a commissioning. And then he gave them the power to accomplish whatever he wanted to do through their bodies, being living Christmas trees. Isn't that a wonderful thing that we now get to inherit? And we have to identify fear when it comes into our hearts because our destiny and our calling in Christ, that wonderful experience of carrying his love, it's not automatic. It's very easy to have a, well, it just wasn't meant to happen. I guess I just wasn't meant to do that or it just wasn't meant to be, right? That's a, that's a cop-out. It was not always meant to be. Your calling And your destiny is dependent on how much you allow God to rule and reign in your heart. And fear is your responsibility. I I think that fear and stress and worry and anxiety become um, sort of acceptable in our culture. Like, oh, I'm so stressed out. I just have so much to do. I'm just slammed. And I must be really important because I'm so busy. 
that's not God's will. That's not a status symbol in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is what um, Nathan was leading us in this morning, carrying his presence, resting in his presence, dwelling in his peace everywhere we go. And we don't have to live worried. We don't have to live stressed out. We don't have to live anxious. In fact, that is sin when we choose to live that way. And, and it does so much damage. I'm not a physician, but I know there are probably medical people in the house that could tell us what anxiety does to our bodies. It just is devastating to the mind. It's devastating to our immune system. It's devastating to our digestive system. It creates all kinds of problems. And, um, and so fear, it just it infiltrates our whole being, doesn't it? It messes up our hearts. It steals our joy. And listen, fear can rob you of your destiny. You're responsible for how much of the calling of God you fulfill. You're responsible. It's not just it was meant to be or not meant to be. No. There's going to come a moment where you're on a battlefield facing an enemy that seems bigger than you are. And you can be like the army of the Israelites who saw Goliath before David got there. And they heard the threats of the enemy and they shrunk back in fear. Said, oh, we can't do that. Did you hear what he just said? That if we fight him and we lose, we're going to be servants of the Philistines? We can't do that. We can't do that. So they sat there in fear on the side of the battle line. And you know what they missed out on? They missed out on the blessings of the king. There was a threat from the enemy that day, but there was also a promise from King Saul. What was to be given to the one who was defeat, to defeat Goliath? Riches and great wealth. The person that defeated Goliath was going to get to marry the king's daughter. Royal position and a pretty girl. And ex this is the best one, exemption from taxes for his whole household. And so there were three blessings promised from the king. But the army of the Israelites chose to believe the threat of the enemy. And they missed out on the blessings that the king had for them. Because why? Because they were slaves to fear. And then here, here comes little David, plucky little boy, red hair and ready. And he, he strides up there. He's just bringing lunch to his brother. And he's like, hey, guys, what's going on? Who's that? Oh, huh, you know, the Goliath, what's the deal? You know, oh, wow, he's threatening you guys. And so, so what, like, if somebody was to kill him, like, um, what would they get? Is there, like, a reward for killing this guy? And they're like, yeah, you get money, you get to marry the king's daughter, you get freedom from taxes, and David's going, yes, yes. And David says, hey, I, this is no problem. David has no fear in him. Do you see that? Why is there no fear in David's heart? Because where was he before he got to the battlefield? He was out tending the sheep in a field somewhere, spending hours and hours and days and days and weeks and weeks and months and months and years and years in the presence of God, having an encounter day and night. He knew the love of his Father God so well. And there were times 
when David was threatened by lions and bears, and the Lord delivered him from the hand of these fierce animals with no help. He knew the love of his Father God, and it was so much bigger than that stupid nine-foot puny giant. He's like, what are you guys talking about? His perspective was different. He had 20-20 vision. Do you see it? He sees the truth of what's going on, not in the natural world. He sees the truth of what's going on in the spirit world. There was no fear in him. He didn't even need any armor. He didn't even need an earthly weapon. He just needed five little rocks from this, from this little stream. And he goes out there on the battlefield, 1 Samuel 17. He says to Goliath, I love this. He's probably chewing gum. You know, just like, nah, 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 nah. You think you're so big, don't you? He says, you come to me with a sword and a spear and with a javelin. I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand. And I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword or spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. And, of course, he slings that little rock, and the giant falls. And David um, frees his people that day, but he also inherits the full blessing that the king had prepared for him. Why? Because he saw the Lord's vision for him clearly. He understood his father's love, and he stepped out in obedience with no fear because his eyes were not on himself. His eyes were on his God. 2020 vision has its eyes on the Lord rather than itself. And I wonder what would it have been like to be part of the army that day, to be one of the guys that watched that happen and think, oh, I could have done that. Oh, all it took was a rock. Oh, you know. And they're thinking, I missed out because I didn't see who my God was. I didn't understand the love of my father. And I missed out on the fullness of the destiny that he had for me. And so I want to just, um, just challenge all of us to ask the Lord to free us from fear. And how do we do that? It's from having that living encounter with him. You see, I grew up in this area a long, long time ago. And and I had encounters with God right here in Reading, right here in Shillington, powerful encounters where the Lord spoke to me even as a child in downtown Reading, Christ Episcopal Church on Fifth Street. That's where I was raised. And um, right there in that church, the Lord spoke to me even as a youth. Um, but I didn't understand the fullness of his calling in that time. I just knew that uh, he was going to do something with my life that was bigger than me then I went through life. I went to music school and studied violin, moved away from Reading, and uh, got married, had four children, and life happened, and it was difficult, and it was painful. I made mistakes. Other people made mistakes, and the road got really, really rocky, and I lost my way for a while. I couldn't see him for a while. My eyes were on myself, and I became very depressed and feeling sorry for myself, and it was in that very dark place back in 2000, 
the year 2000, that I cried out to the Lord and I asked him to help me see him again. I had an encounter with Jesus Christ at that time. He heard the sound of my voice. He was so gracious to say yes, to come back into my heart and to say, I, I will lead you at this time. You're going to have your eyes on me. A series of miracles happened. Many of you know my story. A man called me randomly on the phone after I prayed. The phone rang. I picked up the phone. There was a man's voice on the other end that asked what my name was, if my name was Gene Watson, and if I played the violin. And I said yes. And, and um, he said that he was in a restaurant the night before and had overheard a conversation about a woman named Gene Watson that had moved to Michigan who was highly trained as a violinist, and he wondered if that was me. And I said, yeah, it is. And that man, in that random phone call, he said he had gone through the phone book calling all the Watsons. True story, till he found one that played the violin. That random phone call led to a position playing in a professional symphony orchestra and uh, was the beginning of, of a new life for me. I knew that God had heard my prayer and things were rapidly changing in a way I couldn't explain. My landlord accidentally heard me singing that same year, gave me my rent money back, and told me to record a CD. And so I did, started recording, and before I knew it, my music was heard all over the world, particularly in Europe. And in 2006, I was invited to tour England, and I went to England with a keyboard and a violin, and just a simple story that I had prayed to God he had heard my voice, and my life was rapidly changing. That's all I could say. And I went from town to town, village to village in England, telling that story and playing some songs. What I didn't know at the time was that I was carrying the presence of God in my body. I had become a living encounter with Jesus Christ through my brokenness. I didn't even know. I was unaware until one of my first concerts in Coventry, I, uh, England, I played a simple concert, shared a simple message, it wasn't profound, and a homeless man ran up to the stage, shaking. He says, I don't know what just happened. I've been an atheist my whole life, and I suddenly know God's real. He's real. He's real. And he, the guy surrenders his heart to Christ. I'm like, what's going on? It was just a violin concert. You know, I, I'm from Shillington, okay? Um, and God started moving. And then the next person in the prayer line was a 12-year-old was a girl who was almost completely deaf. And she believed that Jesus would heal her if we prayed. I laid hands on the girl, not knowing what I was doing and not expecting anything, but I was a living encounter with God. And the girl encountered Jesus through my hands. Something like a million volts of electricity went through our bodies, and I was blown back on the floor in front of her, just blown back. And I got up off the floor and looked at her. And we're just looking at each other like, it was a living encounter with Jesus Christ and she was instantly healed. People were saved, healed, delivered of addictions spontaneously all through the voice of a girl from Shillington and the sound of a violin. I'm thinking, that's crazy, I don't have that kind of power but I'm carrying his kind of power. And all I have to do is just walk around, stay out of his way, do what he tells me to do, and not be afraid. And the minute it becomes about me, 
then the door shuts. And people have an encounter with Jean, but they miss an encounter with Jesus. And this is my hope, is that everywhere I go in 2020, whether I'm at the grocery store or the gas station or on a concert stage, that people encounter Jesus Christ through the words out of my mouth, through the music that flows through the violin. When I recorded down in Nashville, and I'm going to close with this, I would step up to the microphone, and there's always a lot of intimidation and vulnerability about singing in front of people, particularly when you know that thousands of people are going to be listening to what comes out of your mouth. No pressure. No pressure. Just get it perfect. Clock is ticking. And God said, don't you dare. Don't you dare be afraid. At a time when, you know, my voice is supposed to be deteriorating, I stepped up to that microphone and I heard the most amazing sounds coming out of my mouth. It wasn't him. It wasn't me. It was him. And the Lord said, when you step behind that microphone, you just believe that pure love is coming out of your mouth, that Jesus is singing through you, and that every person that hears your voice is going to encounter him. Step out of the way. It's not about Gene. And this is what I did. It's about my music. But in your life, it's about something different. And so I want to pray with you right now for two things. First of all, that you'd have a living encounter with Jesus right now. Can we pray that? Like right now? And some of you may never have had that kind of encounter before, and it might be scary. But I want you to just think about it this way. What if you think of Jesus as that baby in the manger? That's not so scary, right? Don't think about him like he looks on the hospital walls, you know, with that whatever you picture Jesus looking like, or God on his throne, you picture Jesus in the manger. We're going to close our eyes in just a moment. We're going to have an encounter with him. And I'm going to pray for you, if you've never had that encounter, that he'll give you an understanding of how much he loves you, how much he adores you, and what a great purpose and plan he has for your life. And maybe you have encountered him in the past, and this is what I'm going to pray for you right now, that that living encounter will never stop. Every day we live in the encounter with Jesus Christ, and we step out to the battlefield, and we do whatever he tells us to do. We keep him bigger than whatever seems in front of us at the moment that seems bigger than God. Some of you are facing some big giants this morning, and I honor that. Some of you are facing some health problems that are devastating. Some of you are facing financial problems that are very scary. Some of you are going through marital problems that are terrifying. I don't know what your Goliath looks like this morning, but I know that when God shows up on the scene that that problem is finished, it's over, and the giant is dead. And so let's just pray right now for the Lord to encounter us right where we are and to bring his kingdom and to deliver us of all fear. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much that you love us so much that you sent your son Jesus to be born as one of us, to be born as a baby, to show us that you're approachable, that we don't have to be afraid of you, that in your presence is peace, in your presence is love, in your presence is healing, in your presence is forgiveness. In your presence is a fresh start. In your presence, there are miracles. And Lord, I just pray right now, right now, that you would encounter us. 
Holy Spirit, come. Breathe on us as you did in that upper room. Breathe on us. Let us sense your presence. Touch us with your love, Lord, right where we need it. And I pray for all my brothers and sisters and myself, Lord, that 2020 would be the year of walking in your perfect vision for our lives. Receiving all the blessings that the King has promised to us as we step out fearless to the battle line, trusting you and doing whatever it is that you ask us to do. I thank you, Lord, for bringing your kingdom through us in mighty ways. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. Thank you. That was the word in season. Amen. Praise God. I would encourage you. Go ahead. I would encourage you to listen to this message again, one, at least once, or twice, or three times, as many times as you need to listen to it online. Just go to our website, and something come up and says messages. You click on messages and just scroll past all the Pastor Ray ones. <laughs> there's a Chad Eberly, there's an Alex, there's a Lindsay Lospal, there's a, you know, Gene Watson, there's all kinds of good ones on there. If you get stuck in the middle someplace with a pastor Ray, that won't hurt you either. But you can listen to those again as well. But this particular message on fearless and going into the new year is something that will do you good beyond your ability to even comprehend it right now this morning. Because it certainly is a key element that hinders us and keeps us from taking steps of obedience. And so thank you, Gene Watson, for our word in season. We certainly want to go into the new year fearless, and I know you are fearless people, and so go out in the spirit of faith and be blessed in Jesus' name. And for many of you, we'll see you next year. God bless you.